Good morning, everybody. We are full today. That was awesome. Praise God. Hey, and I do want to say thank you for all of you who are helping everybody find a seat. It's not easy to find a seat. And so just to keep that in mind, this fall uh, is probably just going to be the same. So uh, all of our River Ridgers, man, I just want you to be alert wherever you're sitting. I'm not telling you to move. You don't need to move. I know some of you love where you're sitting. Love that about you. But if you could just... If you have some seats in the middle there, maybe you can just be like over here, like just uh, stay alert and uh, which you are. I'm so grateful. Look, everybody's got a seat and I'm just very thankful. It's awesome to see Full House in here today. All of you are watching online. Thanks for joining us as well. Uh, my name is Andy. I'm one of the pastors here. If we haven't met, I'm just so glad uh, that you're giving God this hour uh, of your week. Uh, so let's just get to it. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. Get them out there and open them up to Luke 18. We're gonna be in Luke chapter 18. And today, here, here's where we're gonna be. We're gonna be with Jesus today. And he's gonna be telling us a story uh, about a couple of guys. And for me, this is one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. In fact, this is a story that God uses over and over in my life. And I just find it just, it always pops up in my life. In fact, I was just talking about it earlier this week with somebody uh, because not only does it work with me and my faith, but I also find myself using this story uh, as I talk to other people about their faith. Uh, and also as a church, this is such an important message that Jesus has given because of the temptation uh, to do what Jesus is talking about. So I think this is gonna be a really good message for us today. Uh, and, and so to get us started as you're, as you're making your way there to Luke 18, I wanna start with us thinking of a concept and it's this, nobody's perfect, all right? Now, my guess is that pretty much everyone would agree to that. We would all be on the same page and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I would say uh, that you, everybody in this room and everybody watching has probably used something like this a time or two in your life. Hey, I'm not perfect, right? In fact, uh, if you're married, I guarantee you've used this a time or two in your marriage, right? Hey, I'm not perfect, nobody's perfect. Maybe when it comes to the bathroom and aim is an issue, right? It's like, hey, I realize the toilet is a big target, but hey, nobody's perfect. So I ran into the garage a little with a car, so sue me. I'm not perfect. Why does it, how does so sue me get lumped in with I'm perfect? You ever notice that? So sue me. I'm not getting lawyers involved, just don't hit the garage with a car. You know what I'm saying? Like. Now, these are examples. This is not happening in the tool house, okay? Um, but for me, it actually, it's the dishwasher. It's an issue. It's an issue because apparently, I know this, there's some sort of uh, geometrical harmonious system involved in order to get the dishes in the perfect way for it to work exactly right. I don't know what this system is. I have no idea. All I know is I throw them in there. I, it seems to work, okay? It seems to work without the geometrical harmonious system. Uh, and I don't mess up the system on purpose. Maybe I do, I don't know, but I, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect, okay? Uh, it seems like we all, we've all used that a time or two uh, in our lives. That's, you know, we've had situations where we've used that. Uh, and, and here's why we're talking about this. This is why I'm bringing this up today. See, because it turns out, it turns out that there is a struggle with this concept, especially with people of faith, because here's, here's what can happen. It's really weird. When people start to really follow God and go after Jesus, there are things that are very human that can come in and that happens that is counter to what God wants us to be as we follow him. And, and I believe it's actually also why Jesus is telling this story. And so we need to pay attention to, to what he's saying because of the severity 
of the consequence that he's gonna give us, okay? So, so let's chime in here, let's, let's pick it up here. We're gonna be in, starting here in verse nine uh, in Luke 18, and here's what it says. It says that Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. And, and so right now there, there's a lot of people around Jesus. There are, there are followers that are with him. There, there are religious people uh, that, that are with him. And, and then I think also there's just some normal people who, who are gathering around to listen and hear, hey, what's he have to say? I wanna know what he, his message is. But it also says what we're finding out is that there are some people who are seeing themselves in a way, listen, and that it's causing them to see other people in a way where they think they're better than them, that they're, that they're feeling superior, that they, they feel like they're pretty great. Sounds like a great bunch, by the way. But anyways, they're there, and G, hear, Jesus is wanting to help them here. He's wanting to help them. So, so he tells this story. We're gonna read the whole story and then talk about it for a second. So, so let's see what Jesus says. Jesus said, all right, two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, Jesus says, standing up far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. And right now, here, here's what's happening. Right now, a lot of you are saying, I get this. Like for the, for, I actually get this story that is in the Bible. I understand. So Jesus is saying, don't be like the Pharisee who is self-righteous and overconfident. Be like the other guy who is humble and remorseful. I got this, okay? And you're probably thinking, this should be the shortest sermon in the history of River Ridge Church. You would think that, wouldn't you? Okay, uh, I found some stuff, all right? I found some stuff. Your kids are fine. Got your coffee, sit back. God found some stuff for me, okay, to talk about, all right? So we're gonna look at this. Uh, I think God will help us here in this, okay? So, so here's where we are in the story. Here we are in the story. We've been journeying with Jesus for a bit now, okay? And what we've seen are some amazing things, right? We've seen miracles that he did. We've, we've heard amazing teachings about God that he gave. And, and now we're seeing these parables that he's giving. And a parable, by the way, if you don't know what a parable is, here's what it is. It is simply a made up story. So it's not a true story. It's a, it's a fictional story uh, that actually illustrates a truth about God or about Jesus. That's what Jesus is doing. It's a made up story, but it's illustrating a truth about God or Jesus. And so Jesus is doing all this stuff on earth, okay? But he's also talking about why he's here and what he came to do do, which isn't, he's not here to tell stories. He's, he wasn't here to do miracles and talk about God, but that he actually came here to suffer and die. That's what he said he came here to do. And this is all leading us to, to the end of, of his death and resurrection. But, but up to this point, uh, there've been three times that he specifically told the guys this already. Uh, the third time was just a chapter before this in Luke 17. Here's what he said. He said, listen guys, for the son of man, for me in his day will be like, listen, it's like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. So that's what, he said, uh, and, and I'm bringing this up uh, for us to see something because it's really crucial for us to see this. Don't miss this. You can't miss what this is about. Jesus, see, was delivering this same message with every single thing that he did. 
We can't disconnect it. This is what I, I want to see. With, so with every parable, with every miracle, with everything that he taught, they were not independent from his main mission. I was actually uh, reading, while I'm bringing this up, I was reading a commentary this week and it really hit me. Uh, and what they said was that when we read the gospels, when we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we should actually read it from back to front in order to get the best understanding of Jesus and what he did. I just, I don't know, that just hit me. So think about that. So what they're getting at is when we read anything that Jesus did, like when you open up and, and you see something he did or anything they said, we should have the ending in mind every time, which is the death of Jesus for our sins and the resurrection of Jesus as Lord of the universe. Because if you do that, see, if you do that, then when you read about Jesus doing something, this is, this is really big, then see, he isn't just giving us a nugget of wisdom. He's not talking about how we get our marriages better. He's not, he's not giving us the good parenting tips or how to nail it in the business world or find success. He's pointing to himself every time. You get what I'm saying, everybody? That's what he's doing. And he's describing what life looks like when somebody understands it and gets him. And the change that comes from seeing Jesus, listen, from back to front. And so, so here's what I wanna say. I'm gonna talk about a few things today uh, that sticks out that we could take from this parable and it's what I absolutely believe that, that God can do when we open up his word. They, they can always help us to live as followers of Jesus. But we always need to remember as we do this, not to miss the point. It's about Jesus and not us. It's about him and what he came to do and not about us. And so uh, when I, what I'm trying to do in my life is when I read about Jesus, here's what I don't wanna first be asking. And it's our tendency, right? I don't wanna first ask, oh, what's this have to do with me? I wanna say, what's Jesus describing about himself? And I'm telling you, if you do that, everybody, it will change how you look at every single story. Does that make sense? I'm just telling you, that's, that's what it's there for. Okay, so let's look at the story that Jesus tells, right? And again, this is a made up story, but it's pointing to a truth about him. So we have a Pharisee uh, and we have a tax collector and we have some stuff that they did, but just with this whole thing in mind that I just mentioned, but what is this actually about? What is this about? Well, Jesus helps us here because at the end of the story, he tells us what it's about. Jesus says, this is about uh, how we're justified or not justified. Did you see that? It's at the end. He said, this is how you become justified or not justified. So it is primarily not about being less like one of the guys and more like the other guy. Jesus has given us a key to justification. So what's justified mean? What does it mean? So if you're taking notes, go ahead and grab those, get those out there. This is where I wanna start. Here's what justified means, because this is what the story's about. Justified means paid for and accepted. So it means what Jesus is getting at, being justified and, and how Jesus is talking about this is this is how you are accepted by God or, or this is how you get into a right relationship with God. And so being justified means that we become completely pardoned of any penalty that we should get in this life. And that we, listen to this one, that we are given the requirements that we need to be considered pure and holy. So think about that. That's what it means. So justification, it takes care of the question of whether or not we're gonna make it to heaven. That's pretty important to understand. It's pretty important to know. And obviously, if it's something that is a pardon that is paid for, that is something we cannot do on our own. Hence, this is what Jesus, Jesus is pointing to himself. He's like, I'm your pardon. I'm, I'm the thing that's going to be what justifies you. Okay, so, so let's look. We're gonna look here at what Jesus says it takes to be justified. And also, uh, here's what you don't wanna do. So again, we're gonna look at this with all this stuff in mind. So, so what, here's what, what were these two guys doing? 
What were they saying? What, what, what was right? What was not right? Because I don't know about you. I want to understand. I want to know both of these sides because I want to know what Jesus is against, but I also want to know what he's actually for. Okay, so we're going to back up. We're going to back up and pick this up in verse 10 and just see this, the order that Jesus gives. He says this again. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Okay, so we're going to look at the Pharisee first. That's the first guy up that Jesus is going to talk about. And, and what we got to remember here is the Pharisee is a good guy. Good guy. Task collector was not a good guy. He was a bad guy. And we have to see this in order for the story to really hit us, okay? And, and this isn't just something that church people would say. Like, everybody would have known that. Everybody would have known. Yeah, the Pharisee is a good guy. The tax collector, not a very good guy. That was the general feeling that people had who lived in those times. So people would have known when you saw a Pharisee, here's what you actually saw. You saw a really good person who did things right, who would help you. The Pharisees would help. They would do the right thing, go to church, backbone of society. All of that stuff was incorporated into the Pharisee. I feel like we always tend to talk bad about the Pharisees, but they were very trustworthy people. That, that's how people saw him. We're gonna, now, we're gonna get to some things that he does wrong, but, but I want us to understand that he was generally a good, trusted member of society, okay? And the tax collector was not known for that. Okay, he was not known for that. Here's what tax collectors were known for. They were known for legally extorting money from their own people and they were backed up to do that by the Roman government. All right, so they were kind of hated. They weren't kind of hated. They were hated. They were hated like I hate walnuts in anything, everybody, especially brownies. Do not put walnuts in brownies. They don't belong there. And if there are walnuts in brownies, you don't call them brownies anymore. You call them bad, okay? Like I'm just saying, <laughs> hated. Hey, don't come with that. Hate it, right? In fact, like as you read, as you read, this, this is true. When you read with brownies too, but this is true about Jesus. When Jesus, like when you see Jesus walking, here's what you would read. You would read that he was around sinners and tax collectors. And so here's the thing, crazy. So the sinners who even knew they were sinners knew they were better than the tax collectors, okay? So people were like, oh man, you're a sinner. And they're like, yeah, but I'm not a tax collector. And they're like, yeah, good. They, they, they put walnuts in brownies. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a... All right, we follow it, and yet, and yet, listen, Jesus says it's not the tax collector who was off. It was the Pharisee. So, so let's look at this. Let's look at the Pharisee. All right, so three things that Jesus says about this guy, what he says. And as we see this, here's what I want you to do, okay? I want you to, to just put you in this for a second. I want you to think about where you land. What would you say right now if somebody said, hey, how are things going with you and God? What, what, what is a measure that you're using to, 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 to explain to me how you're doing with God? What would you say? What goes through your mind when you think about how you're doing or how you're gauging your faith? Because here's what I'm gonna say. I think if we test ourselves in this, we are, we are way more easy to be more like the Pharisee than we think. And it's what Jesus is saying, did not do anything to justify him. We gotta catch this gang. This is a message for believers. Okay, and so here's one, just three things that he did. So the first one, if you're taking notes, is he was morally good. It says a Pharisee standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you, I'm, I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers. And so, so what he's saying here is he's like, hey, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm honest. Like I, I'm just with, I'm financially honest. I'm just with people in, in how I do things. And, and I'm faithful to my wife. Everybody, listen, I wanna say those things too. Don't you? I don't see anything wrong with that. Like th those are all good things. So he was morally upright. That's the first thing that we see. Here's the second one that Jesus says, that he was consistent in religious practices. 
He was consistent in religious practice. So he says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. And so, so he was consistent in the spiritual disciplines that he knows will get him to a certain spot spiritually. Again, like I look at that, and I'm like, that, that's what I wanna be able to say as well. That, that I'm consistent in, in practicing and reading or praying and all those things. Like I would wanna say that too, that I'm consistent in spiritual disciplines. And, and here's the number three, and this is the one that we kind of miss, but he also gives God credit. He gives credit to God. Look, look what he says. He says, standing by himself, pray thus, God, I thank you. Thank you. God, I'm recognizing you. I think a lot of times we get that wrong, but he knew, listen, everybody, that his righteousness did come from God. He's not saying that he got righteous on his own. He's recognizing God. He knows that God makes him these things. So, so he says that, so he's giving God credit. I think a lot of times uh, when we look at this story that we say, yeah, he was so self-righteous. Gang, listen, that's not what I see. I, know, I see someone giving God credit. God, thank you. And he says that I'm not like other men. Like he's saying, I give money. I'm not that bad. I, and I'm thanking you for that, God, like that you're making me good and I do all these things. And, and here's what I wanna say, everybody. I don't know about you, but I'm not sure that any of us would be too far off uh, of this ourselves when we start to think about what we would say to someone who asks, hey, how you doing with God right now? Right, how you doing right now with God? Well, I'm, I don't know, I'm good. I go to church, I, I, I'm not a deviant, I'm, I'm faithful, I pray, I thank God. Reasonable things to say, right? Right, fair enough so far, reasonable things to say. And yet Jesus says, this is not the person who walked away justified. Why? Why? Well, let's, let's look at this. We're, and, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at the other guy first. So verse 13, here's what he says. He goes, but the tax collector standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And what we just read and what we just came across is the fundamental difference that Jesus wants to see. It's one thing. It's one thing that he wants us to see. And it's this, he had nothing to thank God about. He had nothing good to offer God. And listen, everybody, he knew it. That's it. That's the difference. I think about this guy. I think about just this dark, I just feel when I read it every time, this dark cloud over this guy of shame. He couldn't even lift his eyes up to God. He saw God, he knew he was in God's house and, and he sees his offenses, he sees his deceit to his fellow people, his actions, and he sees all that. And, he, and here's what he knows, he knows it stains his life, that the stain is there. He can't get rid of the stain, right? But here's where I go, but I mean, nothing good? Like he's got nothing to offer. And for a lot of us right now, you can get there pretty easy too. Like the, you see your past, you see what you've done, you see things in your life. Maybe it was that one thing you did or that, that thing that you said, that thing that you would never want anybody to know about. All that shame comes up and all those things. But, but man, even for us, like at least we have something good to say. Like, well, at least I got that one good thing going for me, right? And maybe honestly, there are some here and I know there are some here. And you, but you look at your life and you really don't see how desperate you are to need God's mercy. Cause you're like, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good. I, I'm here, <laughs> I go to church, I do all the things right. I'm a really good person. And what else do you want from me? What else do you need from me, God? And what I want us all to see, see that's what was missing from the Pharisee. And that's the only thing that was different with the tax collector. I want us to see this. So here's what the tax collector did. 
Here's it, if you're writing this down, here's the difference that happened. See, he let desperation take over his dignity. That he let desperation for God take over the dignity that he had, if he had any. That this tax collector, I mean, even just the name he knows, he, he, he looked past anything that he could use to validate himself in the presence of God. He didn't look to anything. He just immediately said, please, God, be merciful to me. I see you. I see me. I can't even raise my eyes to, to, to you. And I'm not even gonna try to justify this. He knew, here's the thing, gang. He knew how desperate he was. You, are, you understand what I'm saying? He knew how desperate he was. And it's the fundamental difference between him and the other guy because when you realize how desperate you really are for God, then here's what you're gonna do. You will throw yourself on the mercy of him. You will just throw yourself on his mercy and you won't just say, thank you, God. You'll say, please, please be merciful to me. I need your mercy. Do you see the difference? Do you see what's going on? And I, I think for a lot of people, church people, they, they, they don't really get God because we think we're above being desperate. We think we're, surely that's not what you're wanting from me, God. Surely that's not the position that I'm really in. That's not what God's looking for. And here's what we do, everybody. See, we hold on to our dignity in the face of God's deity. We hold on to the dignity that we think we should have in the face of the deity and the presence and the perfection of God. And what Jesus is saying is what we gotta catch. Not only is that a shame, but it is a fatal flaw that people walk with that we hold on to our dignity in the face of God's deity. So let me, I just wanna ask you this question, believers and followers of Jesus, despair or dignity, which one wins? Which one's winning right now when it comes to you and God? Which one are you more likely to lean on? And I'll tell you right now, you know what our natural response is, what, what our default is? It's to hold on to our dignity in the face of God's deity. And so let's just see how this plays out for the guy, for the tax collector. Jesus goes on, he goes, I tell you, that's the guy who went down to his house justified. And so the tax collector, the guy that nobody like Jesus says, that's the guy who left right. That's the guy who left justified. He leaves guiltless and approved by God, not condemned, but with right standing. And gang, the next four words are the most terrifying words in the whole story because he doesn't stop there. He goes, that guy went down to his house justified rather than the other rather than the other, that the guy who was righteous, who did the right things, he even gave God credit. He wasn't forgotten in the story. Jesus makes sure he revisits that guy and he says he wasn't justified. And the crowd, just like some of us right now, honestly are like, come on. Like, seriously, there are some folks here right now listening going, that, that's just like, again, it's a parable. It's made up. He's, not, he's just trying to get us to understand. But they're listening to that and saying the same thing. They're like, really? Okay, so you're saying, you're telling me that the guy who said, have mercy on me, a sinner, the ripoff artist, the deceitful guy, the cheat, he left all right with God? And the guy who gives God credit for stuff, being good and giving and fasting and faithful and, and his money, all stuff, he walks, not, he walks away not all right with God? Really? Really? And honestly, it still doesn't make sense to a lot of people who come to church. It still doesn't make sense to a lot of people who have religion in their life. But some of us still don't get it. Some of us still don't understand. And here's why, here's why. It's very easy, very simple. Because here's what we do. If I asked you, hey, who, who knows more scriptures? Who's got to memorize? Who could crush that? 
right? Hey, who goes to church more? Who's more consistent? Who's more upstanding in their community? Who prayed more? Who, who has more time in the word? Hey, who would actually say that they love God more? It would be the Pharisee. He'd be like, me, me, I absolutely do. And, and here's what I'm saying. Is, there, is any of that wrong? No, none of that is wrong, right? I want us to be a church where we lift high the word of God and celebrate Jesus. And, and we teach the Bible and we're learning and about God. We're praying for our community. And we love the people well and do right. We do good and do all these things. But here's Jesus's point. All right, here's his point. Who do you think was more aware of their need for God? That'd be the tax collector. And more importantly, this is the most important. Who walks away right with God? The tax collector. The tax collector. It's provocative. It's sobering. And here's what I want to say. If we don't walk away at least thinking about this in our own lives, it's concerning if we don't do that because of what Jesus says is the result of this. I, gang, I don't wanna walk away not thinking about this. I thought about this all week. I actually was sitting with a guy and we were talking about this and it was just, man, it was moving in my life and, because I wanna be uncomfortable with this a little bit, don't you? I, I don't wanna be like the other guy and I can see how easy I put myself in that place. And so I'm just saying, I, I wanna be uncomfortable with this for a minute, you know? And so, so here's what I wanna do with the rest of our time. I just wanna give us two things to think about with this, two things to remember uh, as Jesus followers, if you're writing these down. And if you didn't write anything down, I'd write this down, hopefully. One, remember what I'm pointing to. Remember what I'm pointing to. And so what I mean this is that, that we need to remember that what we do, what we do should always be pointing to God and not me. That's right. So what I'm doing, how I'm doing, whatever, praying, reading, coming to church, right? Helping, all that, being good, all of that. So here's the weird thing. And ironically, it works against us sometimes. All that should be doing is reminding us of how sinful we are, of how badly we need God's mercy and grace every day, that the sin can still entangle our lives, even though we've been redeemed, even though we are justified. That is for sure uh, if we have been changed by Jesus and his death and resurrection, but, but we need here's the things that it should remind us of when we do these things, that we need God in the center of our lives and we are constantly trying to put ourselves there. You get what I'm saying? You feel that? I feel that in my own life. Am I the only one? Okay, thank you. No. Whoo. I, I was in trouble there for a second. No, we're not the only one. I'm not the only one. We always want to do that. So there should always be a check into the why and not the what. This is an interactive experience, okay, everybody? Uh, so let me ask this, let me ask this, and then you can ask this for yourselves. Just when was the last time you hit the pause on what you're doing and just for a second asked, why? Like, why am I doing this? Why am I reading? Why am I making group a commitment? Why am I coming here on Sunday? What's the heart behind this? Because the why is so important and the Pharisee got it wrong. Okay, the Pharisee missed it. Here's the second one. The second one is huge. I gotta remember that God doesn't grade on a curve. Whew. Come on, everybody. I gotta remember God doesn't grade on a curve. And, and honestly, like, I, I love this parable. This is like one of my favorite, and not because it's uplifting to me. Like, I, so it points out a lot of defects and flaws in me, but it gives me a reminder it gives me a reminder of how easy I want to operate in my own economy and not in God's economy. Those are two totally different things. So, so for those of us who are in Christ, okay, here's what I want to say. We need to realize we're all in the same boat. 
Quit putting tears on us, everyone. Like we are all in the same boat and God doesn't grade on a curve of achievement or merit or whatever we think that it takes to earn whatever it is that we think we got to make us better. Because that's what Jesus said. Don't hold people into contempt. Don't look down on them. God doesn't grade on a curve. So why would I ever, why would I ever? We're not called to do that either. We don't look at people to that, to gauge ourselves. You know who we look at to gauge ourselves? Christ. Christ, we look at Jesus, that's who we use in a gauge. And I'm telling you, the second you do that, when you start comparing yourself with Jesus, you better believe you're gonna start going, boy, nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. There's no way that I'll get that. And that none of us are, and that all of us need God's grace and mercy every single day. Amen, everybody? That's why it's encouraging to me. That's why I'm like, man, I need a reminder of that all the time. You know, one of the things I've learned as a pastor here, and man, I, I honestly, like, I love this church. I love just the interactions I have with, with all of you. I've learned awesome, beautiful things about you and me. But one thing that I've come to learn, unfortunately, we're not really good. We're really not that good at pointing out other people's sins uh, and, and, and not being empathetic. We're, we're actually better at pointing at somebody's mess ups and being a little prideful about it. And it's just like, ugh, it just because what we do is, is we do it not out of empathy, but we do it out of trying to make ourselves feel better about our own mess ups and about our, our own dirt. And, and, and we need to root that out. We need to root that out. It's what Jesus wants us to do. And so I wanna ask you this and, and then uh, I'll give you a challenge. So, so here's what I wanna ask you as a, as a follower, just think about this. So when you see someone like doing what they shouldn't do and you know they're a follower of Christ or even if they're not and they, you see them, they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're doing that. Here's what I wanna ask you. Does someone else's sin make you mad or does it make you sad? Really, I really think about this. Does it make you deep down, like does pointing it out give you a sense of pride or a sense of compassion for them? Say, man, I just, I know the better thing that, that I hear for you. Really think about that. Because I think what Jesus is trying to help us do is that, to not be somebody that he started out this story with. And, and so here's the challenge for us as a church, okay? The challenge is this, see, the longer that you are a part of a church, I think the more temptation there is to become the Pharisee and gang, the less will be a place where everybody's welcome to hear the great news of Jesus Christ. And I don't wanna be that. I wanna be the, a place that's open doors where everybody's welcome to hear the amazing gospel good news of Jesus Christ, right? I don't wanna be a barrier to the gospel for people. I don't wanna be a barrier for, for two, I don't wanna be a barrier for you to grow in your faith. I absolutely think we could do that. And I also don't wanna be a barrier for people coming in and hearing about Jesus for the very first time. We, wanna be, we don't wanna be a church full of Pharisees like Jesus tells, right? Like, I don't wanna be that. We wanna be a church full of people who are coming to God and saying, I know what I bring in, it's nothing. And, and I'm humbly working on this, God, and I know the why, not just the what, man. I wanna be honest with myself, I wanna be honest with you, and I wanna work on these things because I need your grace and mercy every single day. And so I'm gonna look at my neighbor, I'm gonna look at the fellow person who's worshiping with me today, and I'm gonna say, man, I'm gonna give them as much grace as I could give today because nobody's perfect, right? Nobody's perfect. So here's what we do. Here's what we, this is what's tricky about church, I think. So we extend grace like a hand up instead of judging like a hand down. That's what we do, and it's hard. It's hard, I hate to say it, but it is. I don't know why we feel good about doing that sometimes. Oh, sinner, walnuts, right? We don't, I don't know why we do that. I gotta work on that. If you use walnuts, I love you. I'll just... But the more that we could do this here, I'm being serious on this one, the more we'll see Jesus invade this place. That's what I want. 
And the more we'll see him change ourselves and our families and our marriages and our kids and our communities. And the more we'll see him change this entire place for the good news that he came to do. Remember, he's like, I came to die for you. And so that's what we always want on the tips of our tongues and the front of our lips. And so here's what I wanna do. So gonna give us a few minutes. We got plenty of time. I'm gonna have a moment to just take this in. I think this is a challenging message. And so I, the band's gonna play uh, and then I'll come back out uh, and I'll pray for us.
nothing else will do I just want you and nothing else nothing else nothing else will do too far past this moment that we're having right now. I just feel like you're having a moment with us, God. I don't wanna speak over it or pray over it for, for what some people are experiencing right now with you. And I just believe you're working right now in us, God. But man, what's working on my heart right now is just this despair that I feel like I want to just think about. That, that you, and you don't even want me to stay in that, but you just want me to realize the depths by which you've rescued me. And that Jesus comes to say, it's all pointing back to me. Oh, and then the release that I have, that I get to say, thank you. Thank you, that you do have mercy on me, that you do give me grace. And I take all the things that I do and all the things that I think are just earning whatever, and I just throw it down and I say, please just have mercy on me today, 
right now and, and that you will say, I will give it to you, that you're justified, you're made right, you're pardoned, you're, you're good because of my son, because of what he did for me, it's true. It's, it's exactly what he came to do. And I pray for us to be stirred by that today, encouraged by it today, just confident in what we have is the justification that you gave us through Jesus and who he is and what he came to do. Lord, I do pray for us as a church that as we work through these things that, yeah, I mean, I'm so thankful for all the things that everybody does, but that we understand the why, that we understand the why, not just the what, that we are a church who just says, man, we are at the mercy seat of Christ. And, and then we do these things out of just reverence and thankfulness and gratefulness of saying, man, he, every day, every day, this is what God does. We love you. We need you. We need you every day in our lives. And we thank you so much for what you do for us. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for dying for us and, and, and pardoning us for, for what actually is a huge consequence that we don't have to bear anymore. Thank you, Lord. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, let's pray. Let's praise God for that. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, let's all stand. Let's all stand. I really do want you to think a little bit more about this today as you go through the day. And I hope you're encouraged by it. Have a great day. We'll see you next Sunday, all right? We'll see you next time.